Hello again, my friends. It's the midweek, and we are going to uh, be working through First Samuel some more. And this is one of those chapters of the Bible that I don't find necessarily super thrilling. And so, what, one of the great things about doing an exercise like this, where you're working through an entire book, is that you get to experience reading through chapters and having to make commentary on chapters, even if you aren't super excited about them on their own. And then you have to dig and find out what's going on here. So in a summary, what's going to be happiness, this chapter is about Saul chasing David around a few different locations and about how God is protecting David by leading him. And in one sense, the theme of this book is who's talking to who. There's going to be lots of people kind of giving information and tattling and revealing locations. But the main thing that you see here is that God is revealing to David what to do. And he's also kind of ruling over providence in order to rescue David and other people. So why don't we dive into this and go from there? Now they told David, see right off the bat, this is verse one of chapter 23. It starts off with a they telling David, we don't even know who that they are. But a report goes out that starts off this chapter's action. Now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kilah and are robbing the threshing floors. So this would happen very often where raiding parties would go out and steal other people's grain and not only built up your own nation, but also weaken the other nation when you're in war. Verse 2, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kalah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Kalah against the armies of the Philistines? So David sought the Lord. And we're not sure exactly how he sought him, but he gets a response. Yeah, go for it. And the men respond with unbelief and rightly so it's kind of like we're expecting to die here hiding out from Saul and now we're going to go and pick a fight with the Philistines even though we're in danger from Saul verse 4 then David inquired of the Lord again and the Lord answered him arise go down to Kela for I will give the Philistines into your hands and David and his men went to Kela and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kela. So he goes back a second time to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord says, yep, that was me the first time. And I'm going to give you the victory. So, and it's even more specific. The first, it's just a command, go and attack them and save Kela. And now he's like, yeah, I'm really going to defeat the Philistines. I'm going to give them into your hand, which is what God says in the Old Testament when he it means you're going to win and you're going to dominate them. And David does that. He goes and where the Philistines were seeking to take grain away from the city of Kela, David goes and actually plunders the Philistines livestock and strikes them. So who knows, maybe he circled around and caught their, their camp and captured all their stuff. And then when they came back to rescue their camp, he defeated them. But one thing or another, he saves this city of Kela. Now, the end result is that he's now at this city and people hear about what David's done and there's going to be trouble. Verse 6, now when Abiathar, sorry, just when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Kela, he came down with an ephod in his hand. Now this is the verse that trips me up a little bit because um, we met Abiathar in the last chapter when he came down. Remember, Ahimelech is butchered, Abiathar is rescued. Now, this throws a little bit of like, I'm not sure when Abiathar actually caught up with David because it sounds like he caught up with David in Kela after 
David has this victory over the Philistines. So there may be some temporal disjointedness here. And that's fine. The Old Testament does this. It'll tell one story, and then later on it will be more clear about when this happened. And that's just how you, you, you accept the narrative, how it comes to you, the genre, how it comes to you. Um, so that's kind of what it sounds like, but I'm not totally sure how this happened or when exactly Abiathar shows up. It says he came down with an ephod in his hand. And so the ephod was what the priests would use in order to seek the Lord with the umum and the, the thurum and the umum, where they would cast lots and to hear from God. And so this is the sign here. So then it makes me wonder, like, how was David hearing from God previously if Abiathar only shows up after the victory at Kela, or maybe it was right before, not totally sure. But remember in the last chapter, Gad the prophet also spoke to David and said, don't stay there in this stronghold, go somewhere else. And so David is hearing from the prophet. He's going to be hearing from the priest. God is communicating with David to rescue him and even controlling the movements of the Philistines to help rescue him. So this chapter starts off with David going to Kayla to rescue God's people from the Philistines, and it's going to end with the Philistines attacking again and drawing off Saul's attention from David in order to help rescue David. Anyhow, Abiathar got the ephod. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Kayla. Ah, here's the problem. And Saul said, God has given him into my hands, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And so here we have this telling thing again. It was told David, Kayla's in trouble, so David goes. Now it's told Saul that David's at Kayla, so Saul is going to go. And all this like word of mouth and gossip is almost like the main theme of this chapter. And some, Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Kayla to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kela to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kela surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. Okay, so just think about all the telling that's going on here. It was told Saul that David's in Kayla. Now it's told David that Saul's probably coming for him. David doesn't totally know what's going on. So now he goes to the priest and he wants God to tell him what's actually going on and what he should do. And the Lord said to him, he will come down. Verse 12, and David said, will the men of Kayla surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. So how I imagine this is that Abiathar is actually using the, the Urim, and the Thummim, I think that's what it is, to get these responses from God. They're like yes, no question responses. Then David said to his men, who are about 600, so they've grown from the 400 to 600 now, arose, and they arose and departed from Kayla, and they went wherever they would go. Then when Saul was told that David had escaped from Kayla, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Zuth. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. So there's the theology of it right there in verse 14. Saul is seeking David, but God is not giving him into his hand. And sometimes he uses, um, he uses the gossip, and sometimes he's using supernatural communication to rescue David from Saul. Verse 15, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. 
And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horus and strengthened his hand in God. This is the center of this chapter here when Jonathan shows up to strengthen David again, which is, again, a good reminder. David's human, and he can get encouraged and discouraged, and so God has provided Jonathan to go and encourage him afresh. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. And this is true. Jonathan's speaking prophetically to David because his heart is right with the Lord. He speaks the truth from God. And so he's he himself. Now, David's heard from an anonymous source, you know, um, from the Lord about Kayla. Now he's heard from the Ephod. And now he's hearing the truth from God, from Jonathan. And God keeps talking to David to encourage him and rescue him. And Jonathan continues, you shall be king over Israel, which is true, and I shall be next to you. My Saul, my father, also knows this. So Jonathan's not right here because he doesn't know that he's going to die with Saul in that final battle. When Saul dies, Jonathan's going to die too, but he's expecting to serve God by serving David and not be king himself, even though usually it's the son's or the king's firstborn son that would take over, at least some son. But Jonathan's willing to serve David because his eyes are fixed on the Lord. Verse 18. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horus, and Jonathan went home. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the stronghold at Horus on the hill of Hakilah, which is south of Jeshimon? So they've come, and they say with this, rhetorical question isn't david hiding here but what they're really saying is he is we're like do something about it now come down O king according to all your heart's desire to come down and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand and saul said may you be blessed by the lord for you have had compassion on me so you get this contrast between jonathan coming to encourage david in truth and these ziphites who have come to rat out david and Saul thinks that they're really encouraging him, but um, the Ziphites are just being political, and Saul is just messed up. He says, Saul continues in verse 22, Go, make it more sure. No one see the place where his foot is, and who has seen him there, for it is told me he is very cunning. See therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with sure information, then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out amongst all the thousands of Judah. So Saul is trying to depend on this word of people to capture David. He's not thinking about God. He's not thinking that maybe God is the reason he hasn't been able to catch David yet. He didn't catch him at home. He didn't catch him in the field. He doesn't have a mind for the Lord. He's declaring people blessed by the Lord, but he doesn't see the hand of God that is working against him. Instead, all of his confidence is in the fact that people will spy out on his behalf where David is so he can come and catch him. So you have these two kings, one who is depending on the word of man to try to capture an enemy, and you have another king who is in multiple ways depending on the word of God in order to uh, be patient and be encouraged and to not fight against this king. Verse 24. And they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the Arabah, to the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. So that fact that we're told where David is uh, probably means that the people of Ziph found that out and reported it back to Saul. Verse 25, And Saul and his men went to seek him, and David was told, so that he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. 
And when Saul heard of that, he pursued after David into the wilderness of Maon. And Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. Okay, so you can see here, David is trying to avoid this confrontation. Saul is getting closer and closer. It's super intense. It looks like most people are working against David and trying to help Saul. David's probably feeling really stressed out. Doesn't want to have this fight. He's trying to get away. He's got this hill between them, hoping that Saul doesn't see him on the other side of this hill. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, providence the providence of god a messenger came to saul saying hurry and come for the philistines have made a raid against the land now remember saul's been relying on these messengers and human words to try to help him get david and right when he's about to get david here come more human words and a messenger that interrupts this by saying that a philistine raid was going against the land Verse 28, so Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape, and David went up from there and lived in the stronghold of En Gedi. So, like I said before, this chapter starts with David getting in trouble from saving Israelites from a Philistine raid, and this chapter ends with David being rescued because Saul had to go and save Israelites from a Philistine raid. And so you see providence working in this chapter. You have multiple times where God is being rescued by listening to the voice of the Lord. You have multiple times where people, David almost gets captured by Saul listening to the voice of people. But what you see over this is God ruling to rescue David. And Jonathan is exactly right. When he shows up in the middle of this chapter, say, you're going to still be king. Trust in God. His promises won't fail. And we see providence working both through prophetic encouragement and by um, the priestly ephod communication as well as just providence working all together to rescue David as well as to rescue Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. So for you and me, one of the things I think it's, it's difficult for me to do is remember the hand of providence. God is in control. He's in control of things like foreign armies attacking. He's in control of things like gossip and, and messengers. And he's in control of when he'll, he can supernaturally communicate to people, which I believe he still does. He's in control of all these things. And he works these things together for his plan and for the good of his faith-filled people. And so this is a challenge for us because often circumstances will come along and God's people want to regularly throw up their hands and say, this is it, we're lost, we're done. And we need encouragements from God and we need encouragements from friends to say, don't forget, God is still with you. So be encouraged and trust in the Lord, trust in his providence, trust that he can communicate to you and don't lose heart. He will fulfill his good plans for his people. 